my I was injured last week, so I was I didn't get nearly as much done. Like, I'm oh. realizing that we haven't I have we have an episode due Friday, and I haven't touched the episode. <laughs> you know, and I was like, shit, I got I got to get to editing Dark Crystal, and like I I did some reviews for Vinegar Syndrome, and I haven't cut. I'm like, oh, I'm so fucking because I couldn't climb the stairs to get to the office. Oh no. I was. So it was like while I I couldn't move. It was like oh that would be a perfect time to work on stuff. I couldn't get upstairs. Oh, I I was feeling kind of behind at work, so I got myself a new journal, and it's dream journal. Or, organizing. No, it's a holy shit. I have a lot to do journal. Yeah, I feel that. And then all of my notes that I had to get in. That's all my crap I have to do. And it scares me. And I got it really bad anxiety putting that together yesterday. Oh, we'll get through this together. <laughs> Woo! Hopefully this show doesn't cause you anxiety. It Hopefully does this not. is the fun part of your this, day. Okay, this good. has been great, yep. Except for the computer network. Right. Well, nothing I can do about that. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, it's it, I, I got into a super nostalgic mood the other day because we started this show um, three years ago in October. Hot damn. Technically. Technically, we started in October. We didn't release it until December. December, right? yeah. Because yeah, because I was going on my honeymoon. But like, we had a, a a cold snap. It went from like ninety degrees to like fifty or sixty in a day. <laughs> so like, it just smells like the fall outside, and it's reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, I need to go watch Halloween. Oh and, yeah, know, like it's it's kind of put me in the mood. I can drink hot coffee again comfortably because <laughs> like. I, I I I I don't like drinking hot coffee when I'm sweating. It's just it's not a fun experience. So like I'd rather drink iced coffee, but like I can drink hot coffee right Yay. now. Yeah. Yeah. And then like our oh, our temps, the house season and our temps here dropped to like seventy for a couple days, um, and it's back up in the eighties, uh, but it's still like you can smell fall, which is awesome. It's sixty six right now. Oh, that sounds nice. It is. It's. It's. It, I can. I can wear longer sweatpants. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's another thing. I don't like wearing shorts, but I don't like being warm. So it's like I. I kind of put up with it. I'd rather wear pants. Um. I'm. I'm really excited for old man sweater season. Oh, me too. I, I am. I am the king of old man sweaters. Well, I will that's be your duke. Na- <laughs> that's what we should have named this podcast: Old Man Sweater Season. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be our next show that'll be our fashion <laughs> yep what was the, the band name that you came up or i said something and you're like that has to be oh your band it name. was it was uh sound nick and the nick, nick and the something it was i think the nick richard sound machine <laughs> yeah nick richard sound machine that's that's <laughs> gotta be your band nick the nick richard sound machine <laughs> What kind of music do you do? I don't know, but it just sounds good. <laughs> all five part harmonies, all yep. recorded by me. Yep, doing different voices, mostly falsetto. <laughs> Fun fact: I found out Andrew WK is essentially a sound machine. He does all of the instruments for his records by himself. Oh, nice! nice. In the studio, it's just him. Like he has people touring with him, so he could play it live. But like in the studio, it's just him. Yeah. I was like, you're such a nerd, Andrew WK. <laughs> but that's also, like, he, he released an album in Japan that's just him covering music from the Gundam Wing series. So, of course, he's a nerd. Right. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, and I did a little extra research for this episode, too. You did? I did. I not only watched um, Masters of the Universe, 
I went back and w- on YouTube watched a little bit of the cartoon. Oh no! I watched the documentary about Masters of the Universe. Wow. Um, that's that's that. It's not just about the film. It's about just He Man in general, like, how where it came and how it started, and the intellectual um, property, not necessarily the one particular yep, media presence. Yep. And and I didn't rewatch this, but I. I I I love Super Mario Brothers so much that I bought a international Blu-ray copy of the film so I could have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> and on that Blu-ray, they have a 90-minute making of documentary. Damn. Is that longer than That's the like, movie? It might be. It's a retrospective <laughs> of all the cast. They bring them back and creators and everything. I didn't rewatch that, but I have seen it. But then I also found out there is, and I'll talk a little bit about this when we when we get to the the topic at hand there is a super mario brothers the movie comic book oh. that someone made based off the script that was going to be the sequel oh wow with all of our in with all of our extra time that we had <laughs> I, I spent a little time doing that <laughs> deep diving kind of kind of i think that's all i've got we we, we kind of had our catch-up day the other day when we played uh um D, yeah, so we haven't really <laughs> you know what's going on <laughs> um but i guess uh if that's all we got yeah we could start the show all right sip of coffee for the uh, here we go mm. that was uh, that's one that's one nice thing about monitoring my own audio is i can tell you how intense that slurp was <laughs> it's also nice too because like i've got the window open so i can hear if there's birds chirping <laughs> or i can i can now i now know what annoying sounds are being picked up in my microphone nice yeah hopefully it's just me no it's it's i got dogs and cats and oh this is funny this might show up in the microphone at some point where we got a new cat his name is lewin and he screams. <laughs> he just, he just, he'll just be sitting there going Row! by himself for no reason. So that might show up at some nice. point. Nice. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Warning. This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a man who lives his life by the motto, Don't say goodbye, say good journey. Nick Richards. On today's episode, we'll be doing our long, taunted, taunted? Why did I write taunted? Touted. Taunted? Yeah, long touted. Long touted. I wrote taunted. (laughs) That is different. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was autocorrect. you know... It's wrong, but I think it still works. Long yeah, taunted. Okay. Long taunted. <laughs> That's now intentional, but never realized. Shameful picture show. <laughs> where Nick and I are recommending the other see a movie that is considered by many to be bad, but we both love. <laughs> so, so on today's episode, we'll finally be discussing Nick's choice of Masters of the Universe and my choice of Super Mario Brothers. I was trying to find a different way to deliver each <laughs> <It> one. <was, laughs> this is going to be late 80s-tastic. 
Yeah, well, actually, mine's like the '90s. Is it okay? Oh, like the intellectual property really hit oh, in the yeah, late '80s. Yeah. yeah. So first off, oh, so I should just explain to everyone. Normally, we read the intro, play the trailer. We've got two movies. We're gonna be talking about. We're gonna be intercutting back and forth. So I'm gonna read both intros and play both trailers. You're gonna hear a lot of me talking, hear a lot of sound, <laughs> and then we're gonna get to the conversation. I'm gonna take a short nap. <laughs> okay. Please do. I'll wake you up when we're done. All right. Masters of the Universe is the live-action fantasy movie based on the extremely popular toy and cartoon He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He-Man is a brave warrior who, with the help of his friends Man-at-Arms, Tila, and Gwildor, fight to protect the world of Eternity against evil Skeletor and his horde of evil. He-Man finds that Skeletor has possession of a cosmic key that will open a portal to anywhere. While trying to get it back, He-Man and his friends get transported to current-day Earth and must trust two unsuspecting Earthlings to help them get home and protect the universe from the evil Skeletor. Autocorrect kept making it into a skeleton. <laughs> Directed by Gary Gadar, from a script by David Odell, who did Dark Crystal, Masters of the Universe was met with generally unfavorable reviews. Many felt the film's combination of Conan and Star Wars was boring and a misfire. That being said, the film would go on to gain a cult following for its comedy, crazy effects, and a very committed performance by star Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> the film stars, as mentioned, Dolph Lundgren, Courtney Cox, who I didn't was not expecting, Meg Foster, Billy Barty, and Frank Langella as Skeletor. But we aren't done yet. Super Mario Brothers is also a live-action fantasy movie, but is based on the largely popular video game franchise Super Mario Brothers. The film, though takes a very wild turn as it chooses to keep very little from the core mechanic of the game except for our two faithful plumbers, Mario and Luigi. Mario and Luigi live in Brooklyn and are struggling to make ends meet as all the good plumbing jobs keep getting scooped up by their bigger competitors. Mario and Luigi meet a young, beautiful archaeologist named Daisy and is trying to dig up some dinosaur bones buried beneath New York City. The dig site, we find out, is actually a portal to another world which is only accessible with a stone fragment that Daisy wears around her neck. Daisy, Mario, Mario, and Luigi are transported to this crazy dinosaur-themed cyberpunk world buried under New York that's run by the evil King Koopa. Mario and Luigi must save the human world from the evil King Koopa while trying to find out the mystery behind Daisy and her necklace. Directed by the duo of Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkin, who actually did uh, Max Headroom, if you remember oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. From a script by uh, Parkett, Bennett, Parkett Bennett, Terry Runt, and Ed Solomon, uh, Super Mario Brothers was also, was also a huge flop. Critics and fans alike criticized the film for its unfaithful representation of the video game and bad story. However, despite the negative reviews, many of the performances, most notably Bob Hoskins, were praised, as were the flashy special effects. Much like Masters of the Universe... The film would gain a very rabid cult following and even received an unofficial comic book series. The film stars Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, Samantha, Samantha Mathis, and Dennis Hopper as King Koopa. <laughs> now here's a couple minutes of trailers. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! 
Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No! Somebody help me! From a distant galaxy. They have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe. Live the adventure. Feeling we're not in Brooklyn no more. They're brothers. They're plumbers. Oh no! They're on the trail of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite that gives anyone who possesses it the power. Rule the universe. Get me the rock! Tell it, get it, lizard breath! Oh! Now, they must rescue the princess. Luigi! Alien species escaping. And make it safely back. Later, alligator. To our world. Are you alright? Before time runs out. Mario Brothers. This ain't no game. So, I have to just mention real quick. This was the best double feature you can do because they're essentially the same film in reverse. Yes! Where where you're, like, the portal to the real world <laughs> versus the, like, video game. Mm-hmm. Like, I found, like, I watched um, Mario Brothers first. Yeah! And then... Went. Well, you watch the one you don't know first. Yeah, well, yeah, and I haven't seen the Masters of the Universe film since I was a kid, so there was a lot I didn't remember, including Courtney Tott's uh, yeah. performance. Um, and that was the like my first thought watching, well, uh, one of my first observations watching Masters of the Universe was how similarly they chose to... Uh, interpret this other media franchise into film like well they've obviously gotta meet earth somehow (laughs) yeah and we've talked about this on the dark crystal episode i'm a big fan of strangers in a strange land type films (laughs) so the fact that it, like the beginning of the it essentially started as your and you're the the uh the man from the, ah, the hunter from the future the hunter from the future thank you and then it, it, it transplanted like these types of, it's transplanted these types of characters to earth <laughs> and like i just love that there's a huge subplot of 
of this musician who can play the synthesizer music <laughs> on the cosmic key so he has to take it to the guy who owns the music store oh man perfect. i'm pretty sure it's japanese <laughs> that so, that musician uh is one of the main roles in um star trek voyager also he plays tom paris in star really? trek voyager yeah, I would have never have known that. Who I also recently saw in a single episode of Star Trek: Next Generation. Really? Yep. So he was—he's okay. been popping up in my life a lot lately. Okay. <laughs> well, are we talking about the guy who owns the music store or the boyfriend? The boyfriend. Okay, so that's—I uh, don't remember his name at the moment. Yeah. Whatever. His name's not important. We'll call him. His name Stan. is not. Is it Stan? No, it is. It definitely is not Stan. But I'm gonna call him Stan. <laughs> Because funny enough, the guy who owns the uh, the fucking music store, I think he like I'm on the Wikipedia page right now trying to find out that character's name, yeah. and I swear to God, the guy who owns the the music store gets billing above the boyfriend, <laughs> which I find really funny. That's amazing. Yeah, but um, so how do you want how do you, how do you want to frame this episode, Nick? We're talking about two films at the same fucking time. right. I know. Um, well, let's. I think it made sense to start with, um, you know, as as we have framed this as the shameful episode. Um, yeah. Maybe we can talk about, like, what doesn't work with those movies and why we love them anyway. Okay. Okay. So do you want, do you want to start with... Yeah. Should we just go back and forth? Well, yeah. I'll, I'll kick us off here. So um, tell us about your love for Masters so of the Universe. One of the things that I think was a misfire and in a way that's, you know, clearly I'm looking at this from our perspective today. I love that you're starting with the negative, right? Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, You're like, what did you love about it? Well, here, Michael, let me tell you what was wrong. Let me tell you what sucked. I I think it was a real miss, but a miss that's typical of that era of filmmaking and adaptation. Um, to tie it into real world Earth, I th- okay. I think both of these films would have been more successful and universally uh, uh, brought up a couple clicks. Certainly, it's not going to fix all manner of sin, but um, had Super Mario Brothers existed in the Super Mario Brothers world and Masters of the Universe, but it did. It it, it went to to Koopa Land or Koopa City. I, it like I would rather not acknowledge that Earth present day Earth exists in these franchises. There's oh see like I I'm weird because I liked that in Mario. I yeah. liked the idea of this hidden civilization that's kind of rooted in the ideas of Earth. I don't know. It's it's like that moment with Gwildor when he's like when he's eating uh, ribs. At the barbecue, he's like, oh, and there, what, this is meat? It's like... Holding out on us, huh? <laughs> Just in time. I was going to share. I was going to share. Sure you were. Tila? <laughs> mmm. Good food. Yes, I've never tasted anything like it. Mm. I wonder why they put the food on these little white sticks. Those are rib bones. You mean this used to be an animal? Mm-hmm. Oh. 
world. Never think while you're hungry. <laughs> I guess, like, but it takes you out of the storyline for a cheap laugh that isn't that good in the first place. Like, I don't know, like... Man at Arms selling that laugh, though, is what <laughs> right. just, just really just in the scene is what made that work yeah. for me. Um, and, you know, the... Uh, what what I'll, I'll bring Dark Crystal back into this conversation. I think okay. Dark Crystal... From, from this perspective, Dark Crystal was much more successful. And had they brought, like, human beings through a portal into the Dark Crystal world instead of the Delphine, like, then I'm in- immediately less interested in it. Yeah. Well, for me, the reason that Super Mario Brothers works for me is because it's essentially, like, fuck the Mario Brothers. <laughs> Well, because hear me out. Because think about it. Think about think about what the Mario Brothers were like in the '90s. We've talked about this a little bit. It was a fucking side-scrolling platformer game. That the whole mechanic of the game, everything that we know about the game, was built to service the gameplay, not the. Ser- There's no story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and even the um, elements that are there, like narratively, made zero sense. So <laughs> I kind of like that they're like. Uh, I I read a really amazing review that it's like an essay. So I'm not going to read it on the air, but I am going to make reference to a specific part, if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, let me let me get letterbox to 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 load, and I will read it out to all you. Right. So well, some of this is going to be cut out because it's just dead air. Well, while you got your dead air there, is that a painting of Santa Claus peeking out from the floor of your closet? <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me let me pull up my camera. Uh. And uh, there's also Frankenstein I'm seeing. Uh, I can't get my camera to zoom, but more than likely, yes, yes, that is Santa Claus. Um, He's watching me. The eyes are following me. There is a great documentary on Netflix called I Am Santa Claus about Santa Claus performers, people who, oh, who sure. every year become Santa Claus. And there was a Santa Claus from Texas who was who was just a big old gay teddy bear. Uh, and me and Amanda both loved his character so much that she painted a photo. That's amazing, uh, and then like, it got really sad because there there are some parental groups that were trying to like ban him from being Santa Claus Aww. because he's gay, and it's like oh, people suck. Yep. But so let me. I'm just gonna read the first two paragraphs if that's okay with you. Yep. Because they 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 pretty much sum up everything I feel about this. Like he goes into great detail in this about like the, the, how Super Mario Brothers is 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 influenced by the works of David Lynch and fucking uh, David Cronenberg, but I'm not going to go into that. His first two and this is by uh, a reviewer called Zeke Knott. I'm review, reading his review off a of letterbox. Okay. He says Super Mario Brothers is a masterpiece of an adaptation. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that it is adapted Mario faithfully. Of course not. What it did do was turn Mario into something cinematic. Hot take. Mario is antithetical? Antithetical. Mario is antithetical to cinema. It is inherently anti-cinema as a series. It was formed in the prognitive goo of new artistic medium. Its character designs were created out of sheer necessity. Cohesion went out the window in favor of... Legibility, appeal, and recognize it. Recognize it. Wow, I cannot pronounce these words. To be recognized. <laughs> Recognizability. Mario, 
Yeah. <laughs> Mario, in its first outing, did not have a fleshed-out world. It didn't need to because the world was set dressing for the function of the game, the interactivity. Mario's design all, and all other designs in the game are the coat of paint on the mechanisms that the Nintendo Entertainment System churned out. There was the poorest excuse of a story because the impetus of the character's actions wasn't in the game. It was physical. It was you. Because of this, the film Super Mario Brothers and the games of the same name have completely different... Um, I'm not even going to... It's a French word. Raise d'etre? Oh, yeah. Um, raison d'etre, I believe. Yeah, thank you. Uh, films are forged for spectacle, for storytelling. Games, in the early years at least, were formed for their interactivity. So, how do you turn something that is, by its very nature, against cinema into cinematic? How do you succeed making a video game adaptation while the horrific redundancies capitalist wheel that churns them out? Well, it's simple. You kill Miyamoto. You change everything about his beloved series. You let the author die, and you strip back everything but the essence of what makes these characters Mario and Luigi. Reinterpret what everything means, what would a Mushroom Kingdom would, uh, look like, who is King Koopa, and what does he want, while avoiding sexist tropes, and on top of all that, you add a healthy amount of film literacy. So other than the words I couldn't pronounce, <laughs> I think he, he does a really good job of summing up, and and how I've always felt, like, I've not been able to put into words why I thought that a very unsuccessful adaptation of Mario was a successful adaptation of Mario, and he makes a great point, because it's it dares to create its own lore. Right, yeah. I so. I really enjoyed, and it took me a while to really grasp what the point was and, and that version of it, but the Mushroom Kingdom element of uh, the, how the Mushroom Kingdom was represented in the film. I thought it was, like, I never got it as a kid. Like, I never thought of it as Mushroom Kingdom, but then I was like, oh, goo, there's mushrooms. It, it finally clicked. It's like, it's not as, as bright and cheery as you as you imagined yeah. it. Yeah, it's but. because it's not big, uh, like, toadstool-style mushrooms. It's mm-hmm. fungus. <laughs> yeah. I also appreciate any movie that's going to put Mojo Nixon in the film. Hey, hey, guys. Cheer up. Stay with your work. Ain't got no water. As we had a, a little Facebook <laughs> riff going with somebody yeah. else that we met at the, yeah. the film festival. Uh, uh, if your film, Koopa, you're a terrible leader. <laughs> if your film don't have Mojo Nixon, then your movie could use some fixing. Yeah, and then like I, I just I appreciate just like how like I I think I I texted it to you, uh, but like how weird of a choice it was to make to like. Make Dennis Hopper King Cooper, right? <laughs> I think he did great with it, though. Like, say, and like Bob Hoskins has said that like Super Mario Brothers, the the one film that he regrets in his career. It's like, well, it's shame because you were actually really you fucking were great. Good in it. John Leguizamo was, you know, John Leguizamo. You, there are people who dislike him and love him, and I tend to lean more towards love 
Um, me too. Me too. And then like I, I like how they reinterpreted things. Like the character of Big Bertha, the the, the large uh, black lady, she, in the in the in the in the video games, Big Bertha is a fish. I was like, how are you gonna like interpret right. that? Or like the fact that they're able to jump because these special boots look super fucking cool. Right. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, short of him eating a flower and then magically throwing fireballs, um, which I was, I was, I, I was hoping for. Well, that was probably in the sequel, right? Yeah, the sequel where she shows up looking all Mad Max with a gun and it's like, we got, we got some work to do. <laughs> um, so it's like I, I, I appreciate Super Mario Brothers for all the reasons you. It seems like I don't want to say you didn't appreciate like for all the things that you wish that. Uh, Masters of the Universe would have had a little more of is the reason I appreciate <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. I liked the mixture of the two worlds, and for being very early uh, CGI, I've seen worse. Right? Yeah. Even um, like the the effects of Masters of the Universe when Skeletor's oh. barge is like going down the street. I'm like, the effects in that movie were amazing. That's actually pretty legit. <laughs> the worst effect in the movie was the fact that. A skeleton had an upper lip. Right. I one thing that I really appreciated was Skeletor's. Uh, uh, I'm assuming it's a combination of makeup and prostheses. Um, but that was like that worked for me. Still, it that there's makeup there's held a, up. There's a great line in the documentary about about masses of the universe, which I want to talk about just in the in a minute the phenomenon of masses of the universe, this toy line, <laughs> and how successful toys eventually they had to become a TV show because it, it, usually it's TV show becomes toys. This is the case where toys became a TV right. show, and that was very indicative of the '80s. That happened quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, uh, Transformers. But, uh, yep, GI Joe, Joe and Thundercats. Uh, but I, I, there's a great moment in the documentary. Um, I think it's called "By the Power of Gray Skull." It's the ultimate fan documentary for uh, Masters of the Universe, and Frank Langella is is in the film, and he's talking about his time working on He-Man. And like, I always just assumed that Frank Langella would be the type. It's like, oh, this film is beneath me. I did it for a paycheck <laughs> or something like that. And he wanted to do it. Because he saw how much his kids loved playing with these toys. Uh-uh. So he's like, oh, I want to do something for them. By the time the movie came to be, their interest in the He-Man toys was waning. So, But he's like, he said it was one of the most fun he's had making a film. But my, what I love, he's like, I, he's like, I look at designs of Skeletor, and he's this big, ripping... Uh, Blue-bodied, for some reason. Yeah, creature. And he's like, he's like, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I was in very good shape at the time. <laughs> and I wanted them to... To reduce my costume to nothing, so I could show off my body. And I was just like, and I, he goes on like, like a two-minute rant about how he just wanted to show off his body because he's like, I was pretty youthful at the time. And, and I was like, I love you, Franklin Joe. I did this role. Like he said, he kind of says, other than his kids, one of the roles he reasons he did the movies because he wanted to show off his body. He wanted to be half naked. That's amazing. <laughs> But the only one who was half naked was Dolph Lundgren. Right. And actually, it's funny. I, st- I watched this movie with Amanda and a friend of mine. Um, his name is Fink. He was he was going to be on our Godfather episode, okay. if you remember, back when we had all those technical right. difficulties. And he came over to watch it. And I just I don't remember how it came up, but like we we're talking about Dolph Lundgren just being in, in a loincloth, and like it, he, it, I think some, I th- it might have been Fink. I don't know, but he was someone who was like, you know, it's. He's like a big sweaty man just came up and hugged that woman, and I was me and Amanda were like, 
Who wouldn't want to be hugged by a half-naked Dolph Lundgren? He seems like he'd be really squishy. He's in a hug. And then uh, we, me and Amanda are both defending a half-naked Dolph Lundgren more than we probably should have been. I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> well, and uh, a conversation I was having watching this was um, apparently like Dolph Lundgren has like some crazy like graduate degree in yeah. super science. Um and he was just working as a bodyguard for... He's, oh, he, it's a master's degree in chemical engineering from go. the University of Sydney. <laughs> what the fuck? And he has also got a degree in chemical engineering from the Royal Institute of Technology. Um, so, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was just kind of working as a bodyguard when whoever he was working for like, convinced him, like, you need to be an actor. You need, you need yeah. to act. Um, and, and, and now he's he here. did. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, and the little bit I've I've listened to some interviews of Dolph Lundgren in, in the past, and he seems like he's just a very um, down to earth dude, right? Like an everyman. <laughs> yeah, where he's like, I didn't expect to have this career, but here I am. I was just a smart bodybuilder, because um, like he was, he it was he he had I think he had a cameo in a, a James Bond film, and then he did Rocky, and then he did this, and. Like, I don't know. He, he like, I, I said in my intro, he came into this, like, really fucking committed <laughs> to this role of this hulking He-Man. And, like, it's like, I feel like other actors would be like, you're going to make me play a character named He-Man <laughs> and just, like, ham it up. And But, like, there was an earnestness he, to he, Dolph Lundgren's performance. He bought into the concept. Yeah. And I was like, I appreciate you for that, Dolph. Yeah. Like, you, you, you seem to care. Um, back, back to our, our initial jumping off question. I think the other thing about Masters of the Universe that, that I think was a put-off for me, especially in my younger days. Um, uh-huh. I have... I don't know why I said it. Yeah. Yeah. The... The production design was mm-hmm. pretty divorced from the look that I think was part of what made the Masters of the Universe toys and cartoon so popular. Like it's a very different look, kind of crystally futuristic, uh, and I, I, a very I, I muted color it. palette. As watching it this time, I appreciated it much more as something separate from the franchise, as its own I, story. Oh yeah, but totally. I think, and then, like you know, so many times we've talked about expectations and how your the expectations you have going into a film affects your uh, experience with the film. Yeah, and, like, I remember. Oh, sorry. Continue. Uh, going into Masters of the Universe, and I'm sure it's a very similar thing for for um, Super Mario Brothers. You you have the expectations of the franchise with you, um, mm-hmm. and and it's important it's really challenging to go into it and and appreciate it as a standalone thing. And that was something that I could do this time that I couldn't do as a kid. Yeah, and I, I thought they... Um, because obviously the designs in the, the cartoon were a lot more cartoony. And I know that uh, the creators of the He-Man movie were, were arguing back and forth. Is it Hasbro that did He-Man? Mattel, 
I think. Mattel. They were arguing back and forth with Mattel because, you know, um, Mattel had their idea of He-Man with the really bad bowl cut. Right. Not, you know, bowl cut, <laughs> but like, you know, and very cartoony, you know. And uh, if you, um, are you near, uh, are you, can you Google something yeah. real quick? Google He-Man Mobius, M-O-E. B I U S. Mobius was the this costume designer they or the the artist they originally were using to help come up with concept art, and they wanted this. If you look at the designs, this really kind of futuristic yeah. mixture of designs and everything, and you know trying to keep true to some of the design, but a lot more gold plated, me, uh, metallic, almost kind of like a centurion if you remember that cartoon design, and um, they shot it down. They thought it was just too far removed from the designs. And it, it kind of bums me out because I really love the look of some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, and they're constantly fighting. It's like for things to look more like the the toys. And the creators of the film are pretty much saying some of, this toy, the, some of the toys don't translate to looking cool on camera. Right. So they're going right. back and forth. And um, I felt like where they did land... I thought they had a pretty good mixture of it where things felt practical to to an extent. You know, He-Man's not wearing anything. That's not practical. But, like, they were able to they were able to take his toy design and make it in a way that I personally felt looked cooler than it would have if they would have just done the exact toy. Yes, yeah. And here's this. Here's my, my final take. I'm jumping to the final takeaway of Masters of the Universe because I feel like that's what I inadvertently led up to. Um, as a kid, I loved the cartoon, and I mm-hmm. did not care for the movie. Interesting. As an adult, I have returned to both of those, and it's the exact opposite. The cartoon is pure garbage. Yeah. It is absolute shite. And the film, I'm like, actually, this is pretty good. Like, if you take away that expectation of... I am in love with the toys and the cartoon. Now give me something to tack on to that. It let me down. Going into it to watch a film about a story, like, I was into it. Yeah, I was too. And because, like, I, He-Man was before my time. It was still, it's, it was still lingering around. Do you remember the channel Boomerang? Yeah, yep. Boomerang used to show He-Man, and they used to show the new Centurions, and you know a lot of those action right. cartoons from the seventies and eighties. Um, and I used to see it in that way, and I never disliked it. I was more of a Thundercats guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I never disliked it. I just uh, it was it wasn't my thing. I was like, it's, it was kind of hard to think this character of He-Man, who's practically wearing nothing, was super was super cool. And um, I I and even even the toys, the toys weren't they had the redesigned toys in the nineties yeah. when I was a kid that were that were that I were cool, but like looking back at, it, I much prefer the designs of the original toys and the packaging in the boxes. And oh, the, if I were to gonna collect any He Man toys, it was probably gonna be from the original line. Yeah. But it was just never really my thing. That purple um, and blue color palette on the packaging of the storm clouds and the lightning mm-hmm. and stuff. It, I saw one in a store, like an old vintage store, and like remembered the feeling that just the packaging gave me as a kid. But I love the idea of the He-Man toys because, like, when I was watching the documentary about it, they were talking about how they wanted to create a toy line that let the kids kind of create their own adventures. Yeah. 
And like they, they gave you a very rough, a very minimal story on the box about Castle Grayskull and the fight for power and everything. And that, you know, he, Skeletor was bad, He-Man was good, and just let the kids kind of work it out themselves. Right. Um, and I can see why that was appealing. I feel like if I would have grew up in the 80s, He-Man would have been my shit. Yeah. But if I've learned anything from my time as a nerd, <laughs> when you go back and rewatch things <laughs> you, you sometimes love, like especially cartoons... Oh. Uh, Thund- uh, Thundercats doesn't really hold up as well as it. It holds up better than He Man, I think it does, but that, not by much. That Hanna Barbera, like they, you know, Scooby Doo works for Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo does not work for He Man. <laughs> no, no. Um, and same thing, like and like they're you know especially a lot of the the sun- Saturday morning cartoons, and they're they're trying to tack on like these life lessons <laughs> and everything, and it all feels so forced. And, but this movie, I feel like it's weird. Like uh, He Man fans either love or hate it. It seems like there is just there there's no consensus. But um, it, weirdly enough, this He Man movie makes me understand why He Man was such a big deal. Yeah. If that makes sense, um, and like, and the, since Canon pr- Pictures produced it, Canon is—they've uh, had hits, they've had misses. But one thing I've always appreciated about them is they are not afraid to just go balls to the wall and throw all their money on the screen. Nice, because <laughs> that's how this film felt. It felt like they just threw all the money on the screen, and they're like, "We're just gonna, we're gonna just do it." Yeah. We're gonna, you know, do a big budget crazy He-Man movie, and the movie was made for twenty-two million dollars in the eighties. That's a lot of money, <laughs> and it only made seventeen back, so it didn't do well. Ah, uh, say la vie. But there, there, there was things that like there's funny enough. There was things that I I both liked and I I found annoying. Like I. I thought the way that they tied in the Earth world was was pretty. I liked the idea of this of Courtney Cox's character kind of trying to kind of dealing with loss. I I liked the concept. I felt the execution of that part of the story was really weak. It was like I'll agree with oh, that. Oh, your parents died. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I saw my mommy. I'm gonna now betray everything because like it. It wasn't properly supported, and and I think it would have been a mistake to launch into that storyline deeper. Also, I think they could have accomplished it without. Um, I I felt that part a little cliche and tapped on. The thing that I I found really amusing though for me was when I started the film, I had to to check the runtime. It's like, are we at the end of the movie? Because it just it feels like we, we, we jumped into the middle of a movie we didn't see the beginning of. Yeah. And they're they're storming Castle Grayskull and they're talking to each other as if we're, their characters are supposed to know and I'm like, What the hell is happening? What is ha like this movie did not ease you in. They're like they're like, It's just, just you're you're along for the ride now. Yep. <laughs> Buckle um up. Yeah. And it was it was a spectacle to be seen. For everything this movie lacked in terms of a, a coherent story, it it was spectacle. It's like I, it was just like moving colors. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> the lava I, lamp I pre- of cinema. Pretty much, <laughs> he man, the lava lamp of cinema. Um, <laughs> and I also I also really liked the music, but I might be a little biased because it was done by Bill Conti, who did the music for Rock. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and like, I just, I just liked how I've said, I feel like I'm kind of reiterating the same thing. I just liked really how boss the wall was, like, you know, from the first opening matte painting, they're like, you, I feel like it was the the filmmakers being like, you're in for some shit. (laughs) So get ready. You may not like it, but you are going to be in for something. I also appreciate it too, that like. The, you know, they, they could only they could they could only do it so much. We're trying to get around not having to say the word "he man," right? Um, because just to say that in a serious sentence is very difficult. So you know, they had to say it sometimes. But I appreciate they it wasn't every other sentence was "he man," "he man," right. "he man." What what I find really funny about that comment is obviously I you know this was right in my wheelhouse as a kid. I played with them mm-hmm. all the time. And I've even as an adult, I've come back to the franchise and and referenced it and had T-shirts and everything. It wasn't until watching this film the most recent time that I heard somebody say He-Man, and I'm like, "Oh, that is just an awful name." Yeah, <laughs> Mister He-Man, Man, Human, Male, Man. <laughs> and like, it's funny listening to the documentary where they were like, like we we're trying to think of like. Like he, he, they even they pretty much say that He Man was a was a temp name that ended up sticking. <laughs> they were like, he, 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 he's a big, strong, manly man. He Man. It's just like it, it came to be, and it's like it just stuck, <laughs> and it, it, it continued on. We never and revisited I, I that, it. <laughs> yeah, they never went back and changed it. They changed a couple of the other names, but I just I love that. Uh, that one just end up sticking yeah. and um, it's funny too like there was almost an eye rolling quality to it and they're talking about like then they came up with the catchphrase I've got the power because they're like we've realized when kids were, were, were we had them coming and playing with um, the toys and just be, when we were still in the test phase that you know kids would get very like much like parental it's like oh i need you to do this with your toy because i told you to and it's like kids really just needed to have that power so they needed a toy where they could have the power it's like (laughs) this just sounds like i see you trying to work this out in a way that makes sense and it just does not it's not working for me (laughs) well and and the phrase is by the power of graystall i have the power which just like hits my writer's brain like like static it's so doubling up on power Mm -hmm. by the power of power 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 Power! uh Uh, but no i I, i'm I'm poking fun at it but ultimately i really enjoyed it like i said um uh dolph lundgren is one of the big things that sold me on the film uh because like he's just he's really fucking charming in the film and like i said he's really trying the effects were really great um, I thought all the actors, no matter how small their part, were trying. Yeah, they didn't have to. They didn't have to. <laughs> like John Cipher as Man at Arms, like he was really going for it <laughs> with his Tom and Selleck mustache. That Tom Selleck mustache worked really well. Well, it and really it was—it's well. very evocative of the Man at Arms. Like you can't have Man at Arms without the mustache. Yeah, yeah. And then I going back to that scene you're talking about when they're eating the ribs and the chicken and. You know, um, Tila realizes that they're eating meat, and 
And she's like, this is barbaric. And he, he just goes, sometimes in the in the pit of war, you have to do what you have to do. And it's like, you guys don't have meat in Eternia? Is everyone vegetarian? You can't tell me He-Man doesn't have a protein boost every once in a while. Look at how big that guy is. He just gets really big jars of powdered protein. <laughs> just grind down the roots. And like, I, one thing I wanted to ask you about, like, I'm just so... I've not been able to find an answer for this. Just, I love the weirdness of... That the the cosmic key has to make has to play music, right? This weird mu- music quality to it. I, I have a weird love for movies that try to force in music like that, where musicians are the heroes. <laughs> yeah, another one was Bloodhook that I reviewed for Vinegar Syndrome. A character has perfect pitch, and it comes in. Li- and we find out that the uh, that the killer is motivated by a a, a certain pitch in 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 music that reminds him of his child it's it's big convoluted plot yeah. and the the character who has perfect pitch was able to figure this out <laughs> and and figure it's like what a nerdy thing to do per- perfect pitch wins again <laughs> so i i liked that and I, I i i've got a fondness for i never used to like them as a kid but i'm starting to like them more now is i'm starting to i'm starting to appreciate more of these conan the barbarian type ripoffs yeah you're the hunter from the future is kind of what helped it off for me. <laughs> yes. Um, not gonna lie, some of them are still a little cringy, oh. but I'm starting to like. I'm liking more of them now. You have to go in and, and embrace the cringy. Like otherwise, go swim in a different I've pool. I've learned <laughs> I need to just not look at the covers because the covers make these things look so fucking badass and cool. And then you watch it, and I'm like, where's the big hulking dude from the cover? <laughs> this this guy weighs like maybe a buck fifty. <laughs> But like on the cover, it's a big harrowing guy with a battle axe fighting a raptor or something. And they're like, where's the dinosaurs? They're just laying there. Yeah. So it's like one day there's going to be one of these films that the cover is going to live up to the movie. Uh, I think we have one our day. next concept. Oh, uh, where a movie that lives up to lives up to the to the cover? Yeah, either we have to make a really lame cover or... A really great movie. Yeah. All right. So, what else do you want to talk about for He-Man? Um, I think let's. Uh, I think I'm gonna hand it over to you and have you kind of talk about Super Mario Brothers a little bit, with regard to maybe some of the parts that don't work for you or where you can see the the argument against it and why you okay. love it despite that. Okay. Um. So for I guess I should start cut back a little bit. Super Mario Brothers is a movie that I remember seeing as a kid. And it weirdly appealed to me. Um, I couldn't tell because, like, I even as a kid, I was a, I was, I feel like I, I've learned that I'm kind of a story junkie, where there needs to be something to it. And Super Mario did not have much of a story, <laughs> but because of this movie, I could go back and play those games and kind of like, oh, I now know Mario's backstory. You reverse engineered the the narrative yes. of Super Mario Brothers. Yes, and like as a kid. <clears throat> You know, where this is, for all intents and purposes, you know, this is a cyberpunk movie. Yeah. And this is my first instance of it. It's like, it's a, it's kind of, you can see the Blade Runner influence and stuff like that. (laughs) It's super weird and dark. I remember like building a, a little hangout out of a, out of a box and some toys that was supposed to look like the, the weird Mad Max police car they're driving because I just thought all this stuff was so cool and like I liked the idea of the boot so it, it's it just really hit me hard. Uh, going back on it, 
I feel like while I love the film and I I will legitimately I fight for the film a lot and I think it actually is kind of a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, I get every single um, criticism. I get every single complaint against it. Yeah. Against it. Um, however, so I get every complaint against it, and I, and I feel like they're all with merit <laughs> because someone going into this expecting a Super Mario Brothers movie and you just get the name alone. I can get why that's like pulling the rug from under you. And the idea of uh, King Koopa, who was like a, a dragon creature <laughs> in the cartoons, is now just a really skinny guy with a bad haircut. I can get all of that. I understand why people don't like it. Um, what I feel like people struggle with with this film is seeing what is actually there in return. Where, yes, it is not a direct adaptation of Mario, but... In nine, what was this movie made? Nineteen ninety three. No one wanted a, a direct adaptation of Mario. Right. I don't think because like, what would it be? Like we had the the Captain Lou Albano cartoon and that sucked. <laughs> uh, so I, I, that's my biggest thing is people are like, oh, that movie's terrible because it's a bad adaptation. How how would you have made Mario? Yeah. It, that's my my whole complaint. It is the answer that maybe they just shouldn't have made. And that's probably the case. Honestly, that's probably the case. Yes, 100%. This movie should not exist. Um, When um, the... the, I'm trying to think of the the guy's name. There was a... uh, Roland Joffe, I think is his name. He wanted to make a Super Mario Brothers movie for whatever fucking reason. (laughs) I have not figured out the reason why he wanted to make this movie. Um, But he wanted to make a, a movie and he contacted Nintendo. And story has it that he just kind of flew to Japan. And tried to get a meeting with Nintendo. <laughs> and pitched them this idea. And surprisingly, they're like, sure. Wow. Let's do it. Um, there's more to the story. I, I haven't rewatched the documentary um, to to kind of get an idea of what like how exactly it came to be. Um, but he wanted to make a Mario Brothers movie. And he hired some filmmakers he thought could do it. The issue with that is, I, I can't say I wouldn't be the same way if, like, it's 1993, Mario is just a side-scrolling platformer, has no real story other than you're saving the princess. Someone approaches me and is like, hey, do you want to make a Super Mario Brothers movie? Why are we making a Super Mario Brothers movie? Shut up, we're just making it. <laughs> do you want to do it? Okay. Okay, can I make Dennis Hopper King Koopa? <laughs> sure, do whatever you want. So it's like, I can't say that I wouldn't have tried to do the sure. same thing. Just like, how do I make a Mario Brothers movie? Yeah. Um, and, you know, how you do it is you you try to make Mario and Luigi into an Abbott and Costello type duo and make it work. Right. I feel... Um, now... I what you were saying before about not feeling like the whole stuff in New York worked. I feel like we needed that just as a grounding mechanism to get an idea of to ground these characters in a sense of reality. As opposed, to, can you imagine if the movie just started off in fucking Koopa Land? See, and I, that's all we ever saw. I think I would have been. I I think that uh, I would have been able to suspend my disbelief easier if it just took place there. That's, I guess it's it, go, I, it, com, it comes down more to the type of fantasy that yeah. I like. I, I can be more forgiving of of things. It's easier for me to write off things that might bother me otherwise as, oh, that's it's just a part of that world. 
Yeah. Well, let me ask you something. I, I have a thought process on this. Okay. What was your favorite Disney movie as a kid? Your favorite, like, Fav- a fairy tale ver- D- Disney movie? Favorite? Like fantasy. Oh, that's hard. Um, or what's the first one that comes to mind? The first one that comes to mind was is Hercules. Okay. As a kid? Yeah. Well, I did it, like, I, Little Mermaid was, you know, what okay. my sister well, Little watched. Mermaid- and- well, let's use both Little Mermaid and Hercules as right. an example. Little Mermaid and Hercules are set in that world, no matter what. Yeah. You know, there you you are you are following the people in this world. Me, on the other hand, my two favorites as a kid were Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan, about people coming from our world to a different world. Now, I so I feel like that is that that help that kind of molds that. Yeah, a bit. I do love Alice in Wonderland. Um, that you know the books the disney movie adaptation all the creepy ass old black and white yeah adaptations um and and while i see the i certainly see the line that you're drawing i did not get an like allison one phantom tollbooth same is the same thing that's you know what fair point fair point um, you, you're though i didn't get that kind of a vibe for it, it even though, like, I totally agree with the comparison that you made, it didn't give me the same feeling that I enjoy about those two films of the of the person being whisked away into some strange land that they yeah. have to discover and navigate. Yeah. So for me, that, that's that's something that I, I I wouldn't have changed. Some things that I I probably would have changed is. I uh, I, ha- I had all this stuff thought of like a week ago. <laughs> um, I thought it was a weird choice to to have your your King Koopa, who we all know, you know, he's now I guess now known as Bowser. I don't know when that changed. Right. When I was a kid, he was King Koopa, damn it, <laughs> uh, well, or now President Koopa. Right. It's my guess, and I could be totally wrong. I think Bowser's his first name and Koopa's his last name. Bowser Koopa. That works. Because, like, I'll still refer to him as King Koopa, and people are like, who are you talking about? I'm like, shut up. Um, to to have... I, or maybe I, 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 maybe I have it switched. Maybe it's Koopa Bowser. Or, like, maybe. like Prince Charles, King yeah. Koopa. Um, I, get, I get what they're doing, like this de-evolution de- gun, which I think is a really funny concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... To, to have the world inhabited by so many people, human looking, like I would have, I would have gone a little bit further with some of the design and had Koopa look more like a dinosaur to begin with. Right. They have that. And that little, it's more of a thing that he's trying to suppress. Right. They, they have that little tiny sequence where his, his visage slips and he kind of gets all lizardy yeah, for like, a minute. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Little Monsters? Yeah, with, with uh, Fred Savage, yep. and they go underneath the bed. It's one of How, my favorite. Howie Mandel. <laughs> yes. So you remember like the guy who runs like the the the, the monsters like land? He he he's an adult that acts and looks like a kid. But anytime you get a close up, it's like you can see his face is cracking because the monster inside is trying to let himself out. Okay, I I would have done something similar yeah. with Koopa, where. He doesn't look like such a perfect person. Like you can, like maybe that he's his skin's coming off because there's a dinosaur inside trying to come out, yeah. or like I am that it's up hard, it's, in the story. I agree. Yeah, like I, but like when, going back to, I understand why people hate this. Movie. <laughs> 
Um, I wish more people would go in and watch a, watch it with a little more of a uh, shed the idea of what why it's not a good adaptation and try to watch it more for like what they did do to it. Yeah. But like I said, I feel like everything that people have to say about this film is one hundred percent fair. <laughs> I just don't agree. <laughs> I found uh, Yoshi really comedic. The inclusion of Yoshi, like a tiny little raptor versus... Yeah. Like, and it's because apparently cause Super Mario World had come out around this time, and that was the first inclusion of dinosaurs in the in the Mario franchise. Okay. So they're like, let's just... Yoshi was, a finally, was finally a character. and so, Interesting enough, I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page, and I can only take what they say so far. Because uh, I've never heard, I I feel like I know quite a bit about this movie. And I've never heard this. Apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was approached to play Koopa, and as much as I love Dennis Hopper, I feel like Schwarzenegger might have been a better Koopa. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> he kind of sounds like a dinosaur, <laughs> and uh, there's weird like quotes in this movie that I use to this day. It's like Mario, trust the fungus. <laughs> Like, if someone's unsure about something, I would come up to him, put my hand on the shoulder, and like, trust the fungus, and just walk away. <laughs> and everyone, of course, got that reference, right? And nobody looked at you strange? Nope. Everyone looks at me strange. <laughs> I also found out that apparently Mojo Nixon's character was supposed to be played by Tom Waits. Oh. Which makes sense. Yeah, that works uh, either way. <laughs> well, once again, this is from Wikipedia, so take it as a grain of salt. But apparently, Mojo Nixon's agent pitched him at, to the casting agent as, he's a third-rate Tom Waits and half the price. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, poor Mojo Nixon. <laughs> he knows who he is. Yeah, he knows, he, he knows his, his, his slate. Um, surprisingly, though, the film, like, was... Um, uh, under, consider, under consideration for best visual effects at the the Academy Awards yeah, that year, wow. and uh, well, not even for Christmas one, but <laughs> the fact that Disney was like, "Fuck it, let's let's put Mario out there." Right. So, yeah, the biggest thing is like I said, I because I, I personally love this film. I, I like a lot of decisions they made, and part of that's gonna part of that's nostalgia. I know it is, um, but. The biggest thing I always tell people is, like, I get all the criticisms for this film. I get it. I just don't have to agree. Yeah. And I would challenge, you know, everyone with every movie. It's what I try and challenge myself with is go watch it again and mm-hmm. look for things that you do like about it. Mm-hmm. Big, I, I, and I'm one of the probably the only people in this world that wanted this. I would have loved a, a sequel. Yeah. Because... I, I mentioned it to you before. There is a comic book series out there that someone made, um, based on one of the based on the early drafts of the script that was supposed to be made, and it was going to dive deeper in. in th- this was gonna was gonna live out your your main complaint of the film is other than because it's going to take place the moment the last one took place. Other than grabbing Mario and Luigi from Brooklyn, it was all going to be take, took place within the Mushroom Kingdom, and there's like fucking shy guys riding raptors nice. and daisy with a machine gun and it just gets super mad max and and crazy that i uh that i would have loved to have seen yeah yeah that's cool <laughs> so uh, this episode has been weird because it hasn't been the most like critically analytic of our episodes I, we, I don't think we've even talked about really about things that scenes that we liked or anything yeah, like that but. um it's it's tough because they're like 
nothing really stands out as, oh, yeah, this is what really sold it for me. It's more like I enjoy these two films as, like, a silly, fun ride. Yeah. Like, that. There's nothing super insightful about them. I have a bunch of things that I could point out that didn't work, but what did work for me is it's just kind of a checkout fun hour and a half that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have to say I love Mario's uh, almost fetish- fetish-like love for plumbing. <laughs> Trust your tools. And shit like that. Oh, and, and I, I did like the... Like kind of the fatherly um, uh, relationship that they gave to Mario to Luigi in that because yeah. typically it seems like they are just brothers and Luigi yeah. is like just the one that nobody cares about. The best scene in the movie was at the was at the Koopa Police Station. <laughs> They're like, name Mario, Luigi. Last name Mario. No, I said your last name. Mario Mario. <laughs> Luigi Mario. That, that entire scene. <laughs> How many Marios between the two of you? The three. There's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. <laughs> name. Mario. Last name. Mario. Okay, what's your name? Luigi. Luigi Luigi? No, Luigi Mario. Okay, look. How many Marios are there between the two of you? There's three. There's, there's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. And then, like when it cuts to them getting their picture taken, and the gu- those like those picture taking guns come out, and their their pictures are like ah, yep. <laughs> like there is the, the the they had such an intentional sense of like I want I guess that's one thing I also appreciate is that they they weren't taking themselves too seriously. They knew the type of movie they were making, um, and like I said, the performance is what really sold it. Like you know, little things like like um, Mario trying to. Like help Luigi get some um, confidence in himself to ask out that girl, (laughs) and you know, being like, "Our van is fixed. If you'd like a ride." And then, like, they're they're talking. Like Mario's like, he's like, he was my everything. He was my brother. He was my father. He was my mother. And (laughs) Mario's like, "Hey." That was those moments were were very charming. (laughs) Like they they had good chemistry together. Yeah, and it's like um. Just Bob Hoskins had a bad time with the film because he felt it was directionless. He didn't think the story was good, and apparently he got injured on set. So he just, yeah, it's a shame because, like I said, he's so good. Like Bob Hoskins, I've seen you in worse movies, <laughs> and and you know those are like, he, like you said, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. Um, but also there are like, people that love him and he still had a great performance yeah. and yeah and he, this is a weirdly high concept movie for a mario movie. <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah um i i thought that this was a really cool double feature i would encourage others to rediscover them with uh with an open mind mario brothers though is going to be the harder of the two to find yeah, well, I I was able to get it on like Amazon Prime for like four bucks. Yeah, it's the DVD is out there. It's you just cheap. can't stream it's, it. Yeah, it's you can't even rent it. Right, and Masters um, of the Universe we streamed on was that Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime? It's a, okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's also on Vudu. That movie's pretty well available. Available. There's a, I think there's a U.S. Blu-ray of it. There's been talks of a remake coming up oh interesting the issue with it though is the movie's gone through so many the remake has gone through so many scripting changes that just to pay all the people that came before right. it, the movie's already too expensive so it's it's gonna be tough um 
Mario Brothers never getting a sequel. There's the, there's the online comic that if you dig hard enough, look through Reddit, you can find. Um, there's been talks about it getting a getting. I don't want to say a remake because that's not the right term for it, but more of a. Um, um, I guess a readaptation of the Mario world. Okay. Um, apparently there there's talks that I've I've heard everything from the the guys who did the Lego Movie making it, and so we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, it's more than likely going to be animated. I, I don't know. I like the ballsiness of it being live action. <laughs> it is though. I will say I have come back to the the Mario the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Um, mm-hmm. That show still holds up for me in a way Does that it? Masters been, of the I, Universe I haven't really doesn't. I love. I, ha- their, I haven't watched it since like at least four or five years. Their silly live action like intro outro bumpers with celebrity guests really works for me. Uh, Where are you watching it? Uh, it was on Netflix for a while. I would be. I don't know if it's still on there or not. Oh, I'm gonna find out because I know what I'll be doing before work. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're charming. Both movies are charming. Uh, if you if you want to really see Super Mario Brothers in all of its glory, uh, there is a Region B locked <laughs> Blu-ray in the UK from a company called Second Sight. They're actually going to be bring re, they're going to be releasing Dawn of the Dead this year, oh, 4K okay. release. So they're a pretty big company. And not only did they, I, I've mentioned it before. Not only did they. Um, uh, do a they did a 4k transfer of the movie uh, they uh, jam-packed it full of special features nice like documentaries interviews everything you ever wanted to know about the Mario Brothers movie is on that fucking <laughs> disc and, and I recommend it. and everything you didn't want to know about the Super Mario yeah, Brothers <laughs> exactly exactly oh and by the way uh, for anyone who does want to watch it the Super Mario Brothers Super Show is still on Netflix yes so I, I will be from side to side. Come on, it's time to go do the Mario. So I will be watching that today. <laughs> and apparently there was another one called The Adventures of Super Mario Brothers Three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that the you can watch on Tubi TV. Nice. the The first one took place. You could tell it took place right after Super Mario Brothers Two was released. Because mm-hmm. and I thought it, they did a pretty good job of combining the worlds of the original Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers Two, which are very different stylistically. Yeah. Um, but and they then, the cartoon merged them together pretty well. And then there's another one called Captain N and the New Super Mario World Whoa. that you can watch on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so there's a lot of Mario cartoons. Yeah. Holy crap! I don't know how the second and third ones are. I, I never saw those, but the First one holds up for me. Okay. I'd still pop that I'll on as background noise. Awesome. <laughs> uh, was there anything else, Nick, before we skedaddle for the day? I don't think so. I, we've been wanting to do that double feature for a while, and while, yes, it's not our most um, uh, in, in-depth film analysis that we've ever done, I think that it was... I wasn't expecting that out of these movies. Yeah. And one thing I will say is, uh, before we we wrap up, uh, for those of you who are not following us on social media, the Shameless Picture Show is is up for nomination, I guess would be the best way to say it, at the Wisconsin Podcast Festival. We are nominated in three categories. Yeah, we are nominated for Best New Podcast, which makes me laugh (laughs) because we are not new. (laughs) Uh, what only thing I can think of is if someone wrote us in as a new podcast, 
whatever. People are just newly discovering us. (laughs) Yes. Best new podcast, best entertainment podcast, and then best podcast, just all around. And then you can you can vote for us on their website. And you can I got the yeah, and you can Get also find those links on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Yep. I'm going to read it out loud, but, but you can find it online. It's surveymonkey.com slash r slash vdfjz8k. <laughs> so you can you can vote for us there. Vote for us in all available categories. Um it's kind of a big deal like uh, especially cuz I did I was not expecting this. Yeah, it just kind of hit us out of the blue. Uh, And there's been some people out there that that have helped us uh, spread the word. Uh, My my beautiful and talented wife, Amanda, has been sharing the shit out of it on Twitter. Um, Stephen Millick, who who runs the Twisted Dreams Film Festival, has been, you know, helping us out. And then Mike Vaughn, who wrote a, a a, a movie book called Strange Cinema, has also been helping us out. So, um... Yeah, I think that's about it. Cool. As always, Nick, where can the where can the kitties find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram uh, See for the pacifist pugilist. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to remember, harder to spell. <laughs> yeah. So pacifist pugilist uh, is uh, he's on. If you, I'm sure if you just search for his name, it'll come yeah. right up. Um, uh, and Facebook uh, under my name. Um, the what I will promote. Uh, this time is uh, at so I, I work at for for a public access TV station. I'm the station manager, um, Woo! and we <laughs> and we've just uh, I've been doing a lot of work on the arts foundation that I work for. Our YouTube page breaking off our YouTube page into three separate channels. So, um, if you're into any of these things, please check us out and subscribe. We have the uh, Midshore Community Television, where all of our shows, including the video version of the Shameless Picture Show, is. So subscribe there. Um, but then we also set up an individual one for Avalon Theater, uh, which is several of our uh, music uh, performances that we've had here. Uh, most recently, um, I uploaded uh, concerts from when the Whalers were here recently. Oh, cool! Um, Ruben Stuttered, uh, Under the Street Lamp, which was a um, like a doo-wop group formed from the jer- cast of the Jersey Boys, um, and and several more that that uh, I've really been digging on the Pierce Eden stuff, who's a uh, kind of gravelly folk Americana uh, group that I'm been digging on uh and then our third one is for the arts competition that we run here so if anybody is uh painting minded find uh, the plein air easton youtube page and subscribe right on right on uh i don't have anything fun to promote right now other than this show <laughs> but uh you can find me on pretty much all forms of social media i am on facebook as my name michael Viers. i am on instagram at michael underscore Viers, and now newly on twitter at the michael Viers. nice i make it easy for everyone <laughs> uh you can find the Jump. show pretty much everywhere um <laughs> spotify apple music google play libsyn stitcher and if there's a place that you want to hear us and we're not there just hit me up i'll yeah. make i'll make it happen but mostly make sure that you're subscribing to us commenting liking our shit 
Um, review. We we haven't gotten any new reviews in a while, so, so I've not gotten a chance to to give any shout outs. Re- review and we'll read it on the air, even if it's horrible, even if yeah. it's that I smell really bad. We will read it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so come on, guys, get on it. Um, so we've got this coming up. Uh, do what do you want to do next? Next, Nick. Um, next, Nick. Uh, let me let. Uh, we'll have a dead air moment here. Because I've got some ideas, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. i got to head over to the Shameless Picture Show Facebook page. Oh, that's something else that I'll, I'll promo here. Um, on our Facebook page, we, have, we each have a note posted. So by going into the notes, you can see both of our Shamelists. So mm-hmm. if there's anything that um, you want us to watch let us know and we can add it or if there's one on one of our lists that you're really excited for us to see point it out and we'll bump it up to the then, top of the list and then i think we also have like more in-depth ones on letterboxd as well okay um i, um, I have to edit mine dark crystal's still on there <laughs> yeah i gotta edit some of mine too um um I, there are lots on here that i wouldn't mind watching i don't know about availability uh you but you had some thoughts what what are you feeling well let me first see how available it is but i have been wanting to watch taxi driver ah okay and it's on netflix nice let's do it so next episode will be taxi driver cool that'll be a very stark contrast from this episode. <laughs> that one we'll actually be able to dive into and and uh get some good good analysis on good well that's it folks thank you for listening as always we love you every day of the week and except for sundays um and if you have a if you don't like that i have two words for you (laughs) i haven't done that well and if you're not down with that i got two words for you watch Watch movies movies. (laughs) i forgot about that it's been a while since i've i we've had a chance yeah (laughs) so Nice. Awesome. All right.